Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All right, once you find your seats. And what a day to be in the house of God, amen? Thank you, Dalt. I can always count on you. And how about some responsive reading? That was awesome. Bring it back. Old school, I love it. How's everybody doing? So today is going to look a little different, which I'm excited about. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to celebrate what God has done for, you know, this church has been around for almost seven years now. Let me try this again. Hey, this church has been around for almost seven years now. All because of the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of his people. Amen. All because of you. So we're going to kind of do a one-off. It's not a series because it's a one-off. How it started, how it's going. There's so many of you that have joined uh, since seven years ago that it's so good to always uh, allow, even the ones that have been on this journey for seven years, it's so good to understand the vision that God gave us for this church. Because if we have no vision, the people, what? Perish. Perish. We have to have vision. And I love this story because it's your story, it's my story, it's the story of the church. You see, what you think is an ending is just a beginning. What you think is an ending is only a beginning. In October 2014, almost seven years ago, Several of us in this room knew that the church that we had helped launch seven years before that, Elevate Church in Morton, the church we had loved, poured out blood, sweat, and tears for over seven years, we knew that our time there was was over. And we were devastated. Because we also knew that we were called to the church of Jesus Christ. But we knew that our time at Elevate Church had ended. But you see, what you think is an ending is only just a beginning. Now, let me be super, super clear, really, really clear. I don't want you to mishear me. Elevate Church in Morton, Illinois, we love you. We bless you. We are for you. We pray the favor of Jesus on you. And we have the best memories of what God did in and through us. And you all, in those seven years that we were at Elevate Church, we have zero bitterness. There is only love. I I want that to be super, super clear. We had seen people come to faith in Jesus at that church. We had baptized friends and family at Elevate. We had grown with Jesus more than ever before. We had poured out everything. That's why we were devastated. We didn't know the way forward. It was like Moses at his Red Sea moment, right? We'd been called out, but we couldn't see clearly. The sea was in front of us, the mountains beside us, Pharaoh and his army were behind us, but I'm here to remind you today in your life and the life of this church, what you think is an ending is only just a beginning, and only God can make a way. And I think that's why in this season and every season, that song by Desperation Band will always be uh, so precious to us. Make a way. And so this morning, we're going to bring a few people up on stage. 
to share their perspective of how it started and how it's going. First up, David Little, would you come up? Just taking your sweet time. <laughs> David Little, how are you? I'm fantastic. Good. So I want to do a little throwback. Andrew, if you could uh, really put that good. picture up there. <laughs> I, I don't even know where you found that picture at. Oh, I have more. <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> uh, David David Little and I have done ministry together since he was 11 years old. Almost twice as long we've done it together than we haven't. Yes, longer together than apart. And David, I just want to first honor you for your faithfulness to God's house. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about you last night, and that is the thing that I love. The, there are a lot of things I love about you. But that is the thing that I think I love about you the most is your faithfulness to the house of God is unmatched. And you have been that way for how old are you? 30. 30. For as long as I've known you. So we probably started ministry together when I was 10 or 11. Yeah. So David would actually, this was at Riverside Church way back when I was kids pastor, um, when David was 11. And he, he his punishment would be that he could not come to church and serve. <laughs> and so if he had not done the dishes, I remember was probably the thing that you, because you really didn't do a lot wrong, but if you didn't do the dishes, and I would call his mom and I would be like, please let him come to church. No one else knows how to run, run sound for me. So um, David, I just want to hear from your perspective. There was a night right as Elevate, because you were with us at Elevate also, and you gave blood, sweat, and tears and just helped that church become the beautiful space that it is, that it was and is. Um, and then there was this moment where we all realized our time there was done and it was really, really difficult. So on October 16th of 2014, you and Taylor were at our house along with a, another set of friends. Can you recall for us your memory of that night where we told you that our time at Elevate was done and then what happened from there? Yeah, so I feel like, I'll rewind just a, a few days before that, I guess. Um, a lot of us who are part of planting this church body were involved in that church. And around the same time, a lot of us had the same feeling, the prompting from the Holy Spirit, uh, and just kind of the head knowledge that it's, this has been a great season, but it's time to move on. And uh, my wife has told me, She's not seen me cry very many times in my life, um, maybe two or three times, and one of them was the last day at Elevate Church. I broke down. I remember standing in the front row as the song came on, and uh, just like, it hit me, like, this is what I've done for the last seven years of my life. This is what I've poured everything into, and uh, this season is coming to an end. And so moving forward to that night where we're at your house with, with, with you and Chris and a few others, and... Uh, None of us just really knew what we were going to do or where we were going to go. We knew that our season there was over and the talks of what church are we going to go to or what family are we going to get involved with came up and just nothing seemed to make sense. And uh, in, it was just a season, a short season, but where we just didn't have clarity. And uh, I remember kind of jokingly asking uh, 
do you guys want to start a church? And, uh, and what do we say? Yeah, it was just a resounding no. It wasn't like, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I actually got laughed, laughed out of the kitchen. And uh, yeah, it was, I, I think we all were kind of in the same headspace of we literally just finished starting a church for the last seven years building up. And, uh, and a lot of us have been part of others before that. So it was kind of like, okay, Lord, we did this. It was great. We're moving on, but no. We're not doing that. No, not We're again. We're not doing that. Okay. Thank you for sharing that memory. I appreciate it. Kip and Heidi, come on up and join us. We're just sharing this timeline with you because God's faithfulness is so incredible and we, we want you to grasp how quickly God spoke these things and what he did. So you guys are going to have to share a mic. Sorry. Okay. All right. So... We have been together in ministry for a very, very long time. Um, we specifically, the four of us, have led in leadership in the local church for 14 years. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. That's awesome. There's nobody else I would put in your place ever. Um, so earlier in October, we had had... A discussion. We knew that God called us out of Elevate, and it was, a, like we've said, it was a very confusing season because we knew we were out, but we didn't know where to go from there. Kip, do you remember that evening in our living room in October where we start to feel God speak this, where, what do we do? Can you share your, your perspective of that night? Yeah, I mean, just like has been said by David and yourself, um, we were coming out of that season. There for me, at least at the moment, there wasn't clarity of where we were going to go or, or where our church home would be. Um, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, do we go to this church? Do we go to this we church? We made a and list. We made a yeah. list. Yeah. <laughs> Pros and cons, right? And um, the, I think the challenge for a lot of us is being that we had been in some capacity of leadership, it was like, do we go and just plug ourselves in somewhere where we just attend? Um it wasn't practical to just show up and be like, hey, we lead. Where can we lead with you type of thing? And so um, there was a lot of details around that. And then just speaking candidly for myself, um, I felt just very drained um, physically, emotionally. It was, it was a super emotional few months leading up to when we knew that it was clear that we were going to be um, leaving Elevate. And so um, just in my flesh, it was like, I just need a reprieve, like I just need a, a break. And I think a, a lot of us felt that way. But again, it was contrasted with this, this super strong feeling that we felt like we have to lead in some capacity. This, we, we, I, I think for myself and, and for Heidi as well, like this idea of just showing up and attending somewhere wasn't in our nature. Yeah. Okay. So Chris, I'm going to bounce over to you for a moment because there was a moment that night in our living room. We call it our Joshua one moment. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Like, like has been said, it, it was a confusing season. It literally felt like Moses at the Red Sea and what way do we go? Yeah. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit where the four of us were sitting in our living room. I was, that's when I had my nice big chair there. One day I'll get one back. That image is burned into my mind. Uh, yeah. it, I know. And it's burned the, on my carpet, I, too, where his feet shuffle on the I ground. Had a, I had a big old Bible sitting next to me. It wasn't open at the moment. And I heard the Holy Spirit just say very loudly in my soul, Joshua 1. I hadn't been reading in Joshua. 
it was just Joshua 1. So I turned right there. I didn't even say anything to these guys yet. I turned to Joshua 1, and I read, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. And he basically told Joshua, step into new ground. And that was very, it was a Joshua 1 moment, and, and that's when I shared it with these guys. I said, guys, God's calling us to do something. We might not know exactly what it is, but he's calling us to take new ground. And we did not know at that point that it was a church. No, we didn't. We just knew we were being called into something. Okay, so, so David asked that question on October 16th, and we said, no, absolutely, we're not starting a church. And then on October 17th, the very next day, Chris comes home from work, and I will never forget this. Um, his closet is attached to our bathroom, and he comes out of his closet, and I'm in the bathroom, and he says, I think we're supposed to start a church. And I was like, no, we just said we're not going to. <laughs> He was like, no, but really, I, I think this is what God is calling us to do. And so very quickly, um, I was like, oh, okay, well, let's, let's pray about it. We were getting ready to leave the next day for a trip to Canada, and we felt so strongly about this that we said, we have to go talk to Kip and Heidi. So Heidi, I'm going to let you take this part of the story. Yeah, we had a brand new baby. Wilder was just a few weeks old. And so we were going through sleep deprivation, which if you've been there, you know it's crazy. And you know your brain is completely broken during this time. And um, so they showed up at my door on a Saturday morning. I think it was a, or a Friday morning. You were hunting. Um, he and Crosley were gone. And I was just home with Wilder trying to catch up on sleep and rest. And she said, we're leaving, but we have to talk to you. So they showed up at my house and they're standing in my living room and Chris said, we have something to tell you. You might wanna sit down for this. Um, he said, I think we're supposed to start a church. And I looked at him flabbergasted and I said, I know, God woke me up last night and told me. And Chris, I know you cannot picture this, but he started crying. <laughs> I love Imagine that you're that. sensitive. I think it's a good thing. Um, he said, he was like, you're kidding me. And I said, yeah, last night in the middle of the night, um, three in the morning, Wilder was sound asleep and I heard a voice wake me up. And I said, and I woke up and I clearly heard start a church. And I said, I thought I was crazy. And I was like completely unwilling to hear that. So I rolled over and went back to sleep. And then the voice woke me up again and clearly said, you are to start a church. And I said, that took three times of that voice telling me that we were to start a church before I finally said, okay, Lord, I know this is you. I know this is your voice. Who in the world would lead us if we were to start a church? And clear as day, at this point in the story, I looked at Chris and I said, now you need to sit down. I said, Chris, the Holy Spirit told me that you are to lead the church. And what did you say to me? I don't know. What did I say? You, you said, I know. I know yeah. He told me to. Yeah. So it was a very significant um, thing. And I fully intended not to tell any of you that God had told me to start a church because I still was in a season of not wanting to start a church. So I was just going to let it sit while you were away on vacation and hope that the plan changed. Yeah, that vacation looked a lot different than I had anticipated yeah. it looking. Yeah. Um, and it's so cool, too, because there were a couple of, of other people outside of our little circle that, when I, that I trust that when I went to them and told them, their exact phrase was, I knew it. 
And they were people that had not had any sort of a discussion with us up to that point about this. So thank you, Kip and Heidi. You're welcome. All right, next, my friend Becca. Come on up here, Becca. So at this point, so that was October 18th. And on October, we, we were gone then for the next 10 days or so. And then the night we got back, I remember feeling like we had to get together and talk about this. Um, it was already burning in us, and it felt like God was expediting this idea, and, and we needed to do something with it. So on October 30th, there were four couples. There were uh, Chris and myself, and you and Phil, and the Bolts, and um, the Krabbenhoffs, who were a part of starting this and, and just added so much in that first season. So can you tell us just your perspective of that evening in their living room? It was such a sacred moment. Yeah. So um, we had met at their house, and we were all literally sitting around in their living room, and we started talking about what the Lord had spoken to us as individuals, and we quickly realized he had spoken very similar things to each of us. And I think in that moment, um, it was very evident that it could have only been Jesus, because to have eight people on the same page, <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah, so what were your feelings at that stage? Because you had never started a church before. You're right. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, <laughs> honestly. But I knew that um, the people that we were heading into it with had had a lot of experience, and we wouldn't have wanted to do it with anyone else. Right, babe? <laughs> okay, so then just um, fast forward a couple of days, and... Chris found this email that you wrote, and this is one of the, and I want to just encourage you because you were a baby at that stage. At, like 23. But not just in age, but in your spiritual maturity and in, definitely in your leadership ability. So probably on paper, you are not someone that should have been pegged to come on to the leadership of a church, but God, yeah. but God said, I have a plan for Becca Schaefer's life, and I have called her out, and I will work in and through her. And so we found this email um, this past week as we were going through thousands of emails just remembering what God did. And I just want to encourage you that from day one, you had a prophetic voice in this church, yeah. and that it has been so cool to just watch it grow and watch you grow in the gift that God has given you. So would you read this to, um, to all of us? I'd love to. This was October 31st, 2014. So excited for this new season. Can't wait to share more of our hearts at our next meeting. I came across this verse today. It's so good. Reminded me when we were talking about the organic community in which we live, where seeds are sown, planted, and then the harvest is reaped. John 15:16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. We will step out and bear fruit because he has chosen and appointed us for such a time as this. I love you all. Becca. So good. That's so good. So then I want to just chat briefly about naming this church. Um, coming up, looking at all of the emails that were then flying around, we had, by that point, 14 of us had committed to leading this church that did not yet have a name. Do you remember 
some of those names that were I don't suggested. know if I want to know what they were. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when we were at their living or in their living room. I think you shared Acts 2.14 that night, but we still had no idea what we would call it. Yep. We should have just stuck with it then. We well, should. Pretty, pretty soon afterwards. Yeah, so, so some of the suggestions were Propel Church. Yeah, I which I don't that. think the water was out yet, so that yeah. would have been awkward. Um, Impact Church was another one. Equip which Church. Which now is taken, I think. Impact, yeah. Yeah, Equip Church. That would have been okay. And then on November 1st, I sent this email to our whole team, and it said, my feeling is that we are currently thinking in the box. That doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> and we need to change that when it comes to naming this amazing Venture and vision. And then I go on to talk about a church in Arkansas that named their church some out of the box name. And then I said, another thought is taking a reference, Acts 2.14, from the word Chris shared the other night about stepping forward and somehow incorporate that. And then I suggested 2.14 church. I said, this idea may not be easily branded. Sorry, Holly. But I thought maybe it would at least open up our thinking. And at the very end, I don't know if you can see it, it says, or church 214. So on November 1st, or just days after that, we decided we landed on church 214. And this just shows you how important it is to keep record of things and write it down because this timeline could not have been us. <laughs> well, and I have no recollection of writing that email. I had Chris, when Chris sent it to me this week, he was like, did you know you came up with a name? I was like, nope. I, I thought had, it was Chris. Sorry. I had no idea. I had no idea. So, Becca, just what are your feelings now as you, you look back seven years ago? What are your feelings now? Honestly, when you guys sent this to me, I don't remember sending this email out either. And I made a joke of my words are no longer on paper anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because that's where they were for the longest time. Yeah. Um, but I just want to thank you um, for believing in me and for allowing me to step out and do something that I never thought that I could do. Yeah. Love you. This Thank is you. the best place with the best people, and we love you all so much. We're so thankful you're here and we're part of this. Yes. That's so good. Thank you for sharing. So at that point, it was still just 14 of us, um, but we felt this, this need to act very quickly. We felt like God was not allowing us to have a five-year plan. We felt like he was fast-forwarding what he was asking us to do. And I remember on October 30th, um, the 14 of us looked at each other and we said, and you, you guys will remember this, we said, we will, we feel like God has asked us to do this and we will obey even if it's just the 14 of us. And there were several times throughout the years following that when we would have to remind each other of that. When things felt hard or people got mad about carpets or <laughs> lack of carpets or puke on the floor or whatever it was. And we would have to remind each other, we're called to this and we will do it no matter, even if it's just 14 of us. God, though, knew so much better than us. And he quickly took it from the 14 of us to uh, a group of people that were willing to take on this journey together. And Chris is going to share about that. Yeah, so November, a few weeks later, uh, November 20th, 2014, we set a vision meeting. 
at the Franciscan Center in West Peoria. And like Heather said, we didn't know if anyone would come or it was just going to be the 14 of us, but we were obedient. And I remember I came straight from work that night and, and parked in the parking lot, and I, I remember that feeling of parking, thinking, okay, God, we're obedient. Is anybody going to show up? And 60 to 70 people showed up. Yeah. Only God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the original vision that I shared that night with those 60 or 70 people. Some of you will remember this. Some of you have, have heard us talk about this because it's the, the name of our church. And there's, that was that night, that's Isaac leading us in prayer at the end of that night at the Franciscan Center. Kip had opened up the meeting, and, and so here we go. As Kip said, we felt that God had closed the doors for us at Elevate, and then that our season there had ended. However, our true heart is that we want nothing but blessing and honor for Elevate. We love them. We are on the same team. We are all part of the kingdom of God. We want to show unity. Starting a church was not even on our radar. In mid-October, we had only what I can describe as a Holy Spirit moment together with several people in this room, and together we began to feel this massive call of God to plant a church. And as we prayed about it, we had confirmations both by prayer and scripture, both individually and as a team. One of the songs that has really spoken to me in this season is Make a Way by Desperation Band. One of the key lines in that song is really a prayer to God, where there is no way, God, make a way. And throughout this season, I've been praying that God make a way. I feel like I'm in the wilderness. Show me where to walk. 17 years ago, I first met Heather in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. We were both there on a ministry trip. Well, the day after we felt this call from God to plant a church, I took a business trip to Winnipeg. While we were there 17 years ago, we went to a small little Baptist church together. And for whatever reason, I kept the bulletin. You guys remember bulletins? I kept the bulletin from the church uh, that day in my Bible for 17 years. I wrote message notes on the back of the bulletin that day. When I was up there a few weeks ago, I happened to drive right near that church, and I remember that I still had the bulletin in my Bible at home. When I arrived back home, I pulled it out, and I reread the sermon notes from 17 years before. The first point said, God will make a way through the wilderness. See, God was making a way. Even when we couldn't see it, his plan was all along. He makes a way where there doesn't seem to be any way. There is no doubt this group has been called by God to plant a church. A healthy body reproduces, and the church should reproduce. That is how growth happens. Knowing what God has called us to do, I started reading in both Acts and Joshua several weeks ago. I felt that I should read about how the first church started in Acts and how to take new land in Joshua. The parallels between the two have been amazing. But I want to share with you about what I read in Acts that completely wrecked me. In Acts 1, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, his last words to his disciples were this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that's the thought that Jesus left them with. And in Acts 2, the disciples were waiting for God's special gift that he had promised them. There were 120 believers gathered in that upper room, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. 
and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues and other languages as, they, as the Holy Spirit gave them that ability. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by these fishermen. They were completely amazed. How is this possible? These are fishermen from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. So half the crowd that had gathered is amazed because they're hearing their own native tongue, and half the crowd thinks that these guys at 9 a.m. in the morning are drunk out of their minds. They stood there perplexed and amazed, and they said, what does this all mean? It was a moment of crazy, loud confusion and conflict. Stop for just a moment and think about Peter. What was going through Peter's heart and mind at that moment? Because 40 days before that, let's just flash back to that 40 days before this moment in Acts 2, there was another scene of confusion and conflict. It was the Mount of Olives. Jesus was arrested, and Peter, you remember, he draws his sword and cuts that guy's ear off. Jesus reaches down, picks up the ear, heals the man. Then Peter ends up denying Jesus three times throughout that evening. And I can only imagine the look that Jesus gave Peter when their paths crossed. I can imagine the agony in Peter's spirit at that moment, probably a complete failure, the worst mo failure moment of his life. Just hours before that moment, Jesus had had a direct conversation with Peter. He had warned him about this. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I've pleaded for you in prayer, Peter, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, I love this, and turned again to me, strengthen your brothers, strengthen your brothers. Maybe Peter also thought back to another pivotal moment when Jesus said, you are blessed, Peter, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not conquer it. Back to the day of Pentecost. I'm sure all of this is flashing through Peter's mind. The believers are speaking in tongues. Half the crowd thinks these guys are drunk and out of their minds. Confusion and conflict. And this is the verse that captured me. I had never noticed it before. It struck me right in the heart. Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward together with the 11 other apostles, and he shouted to the crowds. Peter the rock, he stepped forward, together in unison with the 11 other apostles. Peter, when faced with conflict 40 days prior, had cut a guy's ear off, denied Jesus three times, utterly failed. Now the same Peter was living up to his name, the rock. He stepped forward, not alone, but together with the apostles. By stepping forward, Peter and the apostles literally formed the foundation of the church. And then Peter preached from Joel. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. They will prophesy. And God added 3,000 believers to the church that day. It all started with God's spirit. The power that Jesus had spoke about had come. Jesus told Peter that on that rock he would build his church and Peter and the apostles stepped forward. 
It's the foundation of the church. And we can follow in those same footsteps. And like Peter, we are confident. God's spirit has breathed life into this church and this vision. And tonight at the Franciscan Center, November 20th, 2014, we are stepping forward together. We are continuing the great tradition of building God's church. We honor those that have paved the way before us. And in Jesus' name, we will step forward together. And all the powers of hell cannot stop us. And that is why we are naming our church after Acts 2.14. Our church name is Church 2.14, and we will step forward together. Apparently, it takes me a while to catch on because I just this week was like, oh, we started in 2014, in 2014, and our name is Church 214. So Heidi was like, yeah, we talked about that seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Holly and Isaac Schaefer, would you come on up here? So um, one of the things that happened that night, I will never forget this, is we looked at those 60 to 70 people and we said, okay, well, we'll, we have your email addresses and we'll figure out a date to have our first service probably in a few months. And they were like, no, we want a service next week. And we were like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> we don't have a building. We don't know where to meet. We, we don't know what to do. Um, it, it was so apparent that God was moving. He was moving in our hearts, but he was also moving in the people that he had called to be a part of this church. And they wanted it to happen right away. And so we, um, the, the next, I think it was Thanksgiving weekend was the next weekend. And so a lot of people were out of town and we said, we're not doing it on Thanksgiving weekend, but the, the very next weekend we met as a church for the first time and have not stopped since that Sunday. So our plan, we were like, we might have one service like once a month. And they were like, no. Yeah, that didn't happen. No. no. Um, okay, so Holly, I want to start with you because you have a really incredible story about your schooling and how God was already lining this up well before we had any idea that this would all be here. Can you tell that story? Yeah, so I was in Indiana for college, and I'd been there. I was a senior when this was all happening. Um, one of my jobs at school was an ambassador, so I would give tours to prospective students. And their parents, being kind parents and not knowing what to do, would always be like, oh, what are you studying? I would tell them my majors, which were uh, communications and youth ministry. And nine times out of ten, the parents would laugh at me. And they'd be like, why did you combine those two? That seems like you would never actually have a career that you would blend those two. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. I'm kind of crazy. Why am I doing double the work if I'm just going to use one of these but in my, my response and in my heart was always, God's got it. And then they'd kind of giggle and be like, okay, you crazy lady, God's got it. Like, that's a total, like, church answer. But I'm like, no, God's got it. So um, this is all happening at home. I'm still at school. I was scheduled to graduate in December. And I got a call from Chris. Uh, can I go into this part now? Go for cool. it. Cool. I'm just, I'm just going. I get a call from Chris. I'm driving home to, from one of my classes, and he's like, Hey, Holly, uh, we're starting a church. Will you be on staff? And I remember driving and being like, first of all, sure, great. Second of all, (laughs) wait, what? You're starting a church? It just blew my mind that, um, that this was all happening, really. He said, we would like you to oversee basically all the communication side of things and then kind of also 
lead and oversee the youth ministry and kids ministry. And I was like, hold the phone, wait a second. Um, I wasn't just telling people God's got it. Like God actually had lined up all those details. I had studied exactly what would prepare me um, and God provided the exact job that I had studied for. And I don't think, I don't think we had any idea where your majors were. Probably not. No. I mean, I'm, I'm not like, hey, look at me. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> not really, but probably not. No. So you said yes. Yep. And you came home. You graduated in December, and we had yes. our first service in December. Were you at that first service? Or were you not home yet? Yes, I think so. I think it's you, a blur. I think you were home, yeah. like just barely yep. home. Yeah. So Holly was our first staff member. We hired her as our executive director. And I am 100% honest when I tell you that this church would not exist without her. Amen. So. Yep. She keeps us all toeing the line. I try. Isaac, your story yes. in all of this is so cool because you were also far away for the first part of this church starting. Can you tell yeah. us your perspective? Yeah, I was down in uh, St. Louis getting my uh, master's in medical science to become a PA. Um, Holly and I were dating at the time. Uh, we knew we were going to get married, but it's, you know, hadn't, <laughs> ma hadn't made it official yet, you know, Steps. with the rings and things, you know, the semantics, but details. Um, and... Uh, I, I don't remember if Holly texted me or had, I don't know how it, it worked out, but um, around the same time, I don't remember ex the exact date, like, hey, like, we, we need to set up a time to have a Zoom. It wasn't even Zoom back then. What did we Google, use? It was Google Hangouts. Google Hangouts. Was it Google, yeah. Google Hangouts? Okay, yeah. Uh, and so we, we had a call because everybody knew and we knew we were going to get married, so it was kind of like Holly and I were a package deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so that we, we had the meeting and I, I had also been a part of, of Elevate while I was uh, here in Illinois before I had moved down uh, to St. Louis. And so I kind of knew all of the backstory. I had served at Elevate. I had led at Elevate. Um, and really, I had been leading in ministry in some form since I was about 13. And only since I had moved to St. Louis had I not really been leading in, in ministry at all because uh, I just did not have the time uh, with school. But uh, we had the meeting, and uh, from the very start, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be a part of it. I'm, I'm in. Um, and kind of the first thing that came to my mind was actually um, the, the first prophetic word that I ha ever had spoken over me. I did not grow up in a church that uh, was uh, Holy Spirit-led uh, or had even any sense of a prophetic culture. Um, and while I was still uh, in uh, Illinois and going to Elevate, we had these uh, men's nights at Hardee's. Pat will remember those. Um, and on one of the, and so I, I was very frequently went to the Hardee's, and you know, we met with men and helped to you know train and equip each other, and it was awesome. And it was one night when actually uh, PT was in town, Pastor Tom, and Pat. May, you may or may not remember this. I don't know. But uh, it was, I had never had a prophetic word spoken over me. It was weird. It was awkward. But I was about ready to leave, and Pastor Tom stopped me, and he, and he held my hand, and he says, he looks at me in the eyes, and he says, there's something special about you. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, but you got it. Um, and he went over a couple other things, basically had this prophetic vision over my life. And then the last words he said to me, at least the last words that I remember, was, you need to be prepared to... Lead, start and lead a church in five years. 
I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And because I had not grown up or grown up in a, a prophetic culture, but for some reason I just felt like I needed to write it down because uh, it was important. And so I wrote it down. And after we, I didn't really come up in my mind when we had our meeting, but right after my meeting, I was like, wait a second. And so I, I, it was written down in a notebook. I found it and it was very close to exactly five years to when PT had spoken that over my life. And, and I had not had any other prophetic words spoken over me since then. So five-year drought of, you know, no, no prophetic words. But the first word that was ever spoken over me was, you need to be prepared to lead a church. And then five years later, I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I guess we're going to be leading a church. So it was even more confirmation. They're like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. That's so good. That's so awesome. Okay, so let's fast forward just a bit then to that first service that we had. And Blake is, I wanted her to be in here to tell this part of the story, but she is holding the babies. She's in the baby room with Isaac. So thank you guys for serving in there today. But um, Blake worked for Camp of Champions at that point. And she had mentioned to them, and they were like, well, you can use our space. That's fine. It's winter. We're not using it for our summer camps. And so you can come in and do it. And so we went around. They didn't have enough chairs in their facility. And we had been told by all of these people, like, we're all coming. So we're like, we need chairs. <laughs> so we went around to different homes. We went to my grandpa's house and picked up a bunch of chairs from his house, which I think is so awesome. He just passed this past year, and it's still so significant to me that we used his chairs for our very first Sunday. So look at those hodgepodge of chairs. We had chairs from our neighbors, from our parents, from like five of us went around and filled our cars with chairs and set them up in this metal building. Um, Phil, those acoustics. <laughs> what acoustics. It was it was awesome. So we, um, Camp of Champions, we are still, to this day, we're so blessed by them. They, they let us meet there for free, I think. I, I don't think they charged us at all. Um, up until the summertime when they were starting. Oh, that's when we got these chairs. I know you all don't like them and they're uncomfortable, but those were a miracle. So you lay your hands on those and thank God and ask them to make them more comfortable. Um, ask them to fund. We do need some more. They're, they're full. Um, so we were there until the summer, and then they had camp, so we knew we had to, to find a way out. So uh, it was one of the miracles that God did is we never went one Sunday without some place to meet. But Andrew, put that picture up of the, the announcement. Um, we would sometimes not know where we were meeting until Thursday Friday, Saturday, we'd send an email, we'd put it up, we're meeting here at this time on this date. Um, so Holly, talk to us, just go through a little bit. We met at a few different places before the Limelight story. So tell us about some of the, we have some photos, I think, too. Yeah, so we ended up sometimes moving each week from different places. So we would meet at the Gateway Building downtown, um, close to here. There's the view from that building, which was awesome. We met at the Riverfront Museum. Um, look at those kiddos. Hauling everything we had. Everything. All the chairs, yep. all the sound equipment, all the kids stuff. Yep. It was a lot we would just of work. Load people's cars, load a tiny little trailer I think we had. And yeah, it was craziness. We were just moving all around and every single week um, we, were, we were moving. We met at Notre Dame a couple times. Um, we actually, 
That was the first time Phil ever preached, and he preached for like an hour six and hours. ten minutes. Six hours. Yeah, it was like six hours long. <laughs> Thankfully, I wasn't there that day. <laughs> Love you, Phil. Um, I mean, there was one time we were supposed to meet somewhere, and they called on Saturday and said, so sorry, you can't meet here tomorrow. And we were like, what? So scrambled, but we always had a place to meet. God always provided. Every single time. Yeah, it yeah. was really cool to see his provision. Okay, now I want to talk about the, the Seether poster. Yes. So, Andrew, throw that up. On our anniversary on March 18th, um, Chris and I were out to dinner, and, of course, we had to go get ice cream afterwards. So we went to Emac and Bolio's. And we're sitting there, and we had been praying, like, God, show us some place that we can meet, that we can meet consistently. We don't have to, you know, move things around every week. And Chris was like, oh, Limelight Eventplex, what is that? Yeah. And so he took a picture of it, and he sent it to Holly, and you can tell the rest of that story. Yeah, so actually several weeks before, I had seen a poster or heard a radio ad or something about Limelight Eventplex, and I was like, oh, I need to call them. Maybe we could meet there. And classic... Holly, I said, oh, no, whatever. I won't do that. So I totally just, like, disobeyed the Holy Spirit's leading in that. Chris sends me this picture, and I'm like, okay, I'll call him. He's like, yeah, just call him. I'm pretty sure I let, like, four days pass and then called him finally. And the guy answered, and he said, we've been waiting for your call. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you're a church. We've just been waiting for a church to call us because we don't have anything on Sunday mornings, and you might as well meet here on Sunday mornings. We've been waiting for your call. And I was like, wait a second. Are you kidding me? But I'm like, okay, it's probably too expensive. Let's come see it. You guys come up with a price that, you know, you would be comfortable with us renting, and we'll go from there. End of the call. Tell everybody, like, this is actually legitimate. Let's go visit it. Let's pray about a number that we could actually rent this place for because they rent this thing out for like seven grand on a weekend. Um, so it just, that wasn't gonna work. So we all started praying, didn't tell each other, correct? That we all had this number in our head of $500 a week. That's what we could afford. Um, we go to see it, it's great, we have the vision, we can, we can see it all working out, but we're all like. Uh. I love how we said like, we're not gonna just need the, this room. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna need all of it. Yeah, because they, they brought us in, and they're like, oh, here's, this, here's where the stage is. That'd be great. And we were like, oh, no, we need the whole building. <laughs> so give us a number for that. Um, so they call back a couple days later, and they say, okay, here's what we could do. $500 a week. And we were like, oh, wait, seriously? I frantically started texting everybody and saying, this is exactly the number I thought that we should, you know, shoot for, and that's what they said. So... We met there for five and a half years after that, and we actually outlasted two for-profit businesses in that building. Um, two on. different concert venues or, you know, concert yeah, leaders. <laughs> um, they actually ran their business out of that and closed their doors because they weren't succeeding and thriving, and us, a non-for-profit organi organization, whatever we are, survived. And I love that they were going to increase our rent based yeah. on our um, growth. Yep. And we grew yeah. a lot, and they never increased our rent. Yeah. We paid $500 yeah. a week the whole time we were there. Well, yeah, and we actually got to like, become really close with a lot of the staff members there. And um, one of them was there on a Father's Day, and her dad had just died. So Heather and I got to pray over her, and I'm still close friends with her. The guys installed lights in their building that yep. really upgraded that. Yeah. 
it was just, there was a great relationship there and God just really blessed and ordained the whole thing. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. We did have to clean up a lot of really disgusting things. I will spare you the details. On Sunday mornings yeah. after concerts, but yeah. that's okay. It was, yeah. it was worth it. I was actually going to the restroom today here and I sat there and I was like, oh, I'm so thankful for clean bathrooms. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they were so dirty. Yep. Right. Um, okay, so five and a half years, and then I want to jump forward. I'm going to keep you up here uh, for this. I want to jump forward to January 2019. So Isaac Bennett had been feeling, we had started a building fund prior to this. He, um, uh, several people on our team had felt like this was something significant that we needed to do to prepare for our own space someday. But honestly, I think most of us thought, like, that's a really long ways away. Um, Isaac Bennett felt like we were really supposed to start looking for a building. He had this on his heart, which was so cool. And um, Heidi got a word also that confirmed that, like, I have a building for you. Um, so in January 2019, a whole group of us went to Haiti on a missions trip, which was amazing. And Isaac felt this um, word for, or this thought from the Lord that he was supposed to ask a couple of people that were on that trip to help fund this. And he asked big of them. He gave him a number, and he said, will you help us buy a building? And both of those people in, those, in that moment, after speaking with their spouses, said, yes, we will. So the really awesome thing about this is that right after we were getting back from Haiti, Chris was opening up our Amplify series, which was the vision for what God was going to do moving forward. And I remember him joking, like, if we get stuck in Haiti, someone else is going to have to preach this, this vision. So at the same time that we felt like we were supposed to look for a building, God was giving this Amplify vision to Chris. Those were simultaneous, which I think is, is so significant. So we started to look for a building, um, and just we walked through a couple. Yeah, we walked through several over the next couple weeks, um, but nothing, I mean, we didn't see anything that we are like, this is what God's giving to us, really, at all. Right. Um, and then I, I don't remember the time frame, a couple, few months maybe, a couple months. Um, and then someone suggested this building. So yep. talk about coming in. Yeah. So the first day uh, we walked in, we have some, I believe, some pictures. Oh, I don't think we have them from when, before it was renovated at all. But we walked in and it was like musty, dirty, disgusting. Really dirty. Way grosser than Limelight after a big concert. Yeah. Way grosser. But yet we looked around and we were like, okay, this is actually it. Like we all think that this is it. It's disgusting, but I'm pretty sure this is it. Yeah. 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 So um, I just want to go through, um, that was, you sent me that text, what that date was. Do you oh remember? Oh boy. Nope. Nope. I remember that. Nope. I don't remember either. Okay. So I just want to go through some of the miracles of getting this building. Okay. I'm, and Holly wrote them all out for me. I'm just going to read through them because you guys need to know, I know we've shared some of them throughout all of this process, but you need to know the absolute miracle it is that we are here today. So we purchased Oak Street, this building, for $385,000 in a booming and upcoming location. This building, when we purchased it, um, there were quickly after that, many of the other surrounding buildings in the warehouse district were snatched up. So had we even waited just a few months, we probably would not have gotten this building. 
We went to the church. We have a picture there. We showed them. This is the building we want to purchase. This is the rendering of what it could look like. That's what it looked like at the time. We said, we need to raise money for a down payment. We have some of it already saved up in our building fund, but we need to raise the rest. And in one week, our church, our little church of 150, 70 people, whatever it was, raised $107,000 in one week so that we could buy this building. We had people who don't even attend this church give thousands of dollars. We reached out to friends and family and said, do you want to be a part of what God is doing? And they said yes, and they gave thousands of dollars to, um, to help us put the down payment down on that beautiful beautiful building. <laughs> and then we had Ethos Construction came in and they said, we will only charge you half of our normal rate to do all of the general contracting. So God was just providing miracle after miracle after miracle for us to actually get this building. Um, we've had people look at us and say, wait, your church owns that building? How is that possible? And we truly can say it is only because of God. God has provided every step of the way. Um, we were then turned down. We needed a construction loan, so we purchased the building. That was great, but we could not meet in it the way that it was. Kip and the awesome guys did all of the demo. Um, you guys worked your tails off doing all that demo. This was the very first night that our leadership team came down and met, and we sang and we prayed. We prayed in the building. One of the coolest stories is that garage door was up, and we were standing over there on that side, and Isaac Bennett had just shared that, God really speaks to him a lot through baseball. And as he's sharing that, a foul ball is hit from the chief stadium, drops onto the concrete and rolls into the garage right at our feet. And so just so many testimonies of God showing us, like, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm in this. Um, so we were turned down by numerous banks for a construction loan. Um, then in March 2020, uh, we had a bank that, would, that agreed to give us a loan if we could reach a, a certain cash threshold. Then COVID hit, and everything just went haywire. Yeah, so we actually met that cash threshold. We were so excited, um, went to the bank and said, we met the threshold, let's present the loan. And they had basically told us, yes, once you present the loan, if you meet this threshold, you'll get, it'll get uh, approved, it'll be great. And he said, sorry, COVID's kind of messing everything up. I'm not going to present your loan. And we were like, are you serious? So months pass. Um, we go back to them actually later and say, okay, can we present it now? And he said, sure, but here's your new threshold. And we then had to up what we had to save in order to just present the loan and get it approved. Um, so we were cutting corners everywhere. We were like, ministry leaders, you cannot spend a dime. Like, you know, sorry, no snacks for youth. And like, <laughs> sorry, <we're> just, Bing. <laughs> like we were like, don't spend any money um, so that we could get reach this threshold. But we finally did. Yep. And we got the construction loan. And on um, September 2nd, 2020, we were granted the loan and construction began. Yes. So Ethos was awesome. And they had already done a lot of the heavy lifting beforehand because they were believing with us that we would get the loan. So they basically were like, you can pay us when you get the loan. That's awesome, when you get the money. Um, so they'd already started a little bit, but we got to really like hit the ground running in September 2nd, which doesn't make it seem like that long ago now. Less than a year and we're here. It felt like um, five felt years. Felt like it was my whole lifetime. Yeah. But 
Yeah. Okay, so then in, that, in the meantime, in the late fall last year, we found out that um, it had turned into uh, limelight, turned into monarch. monarch. Yes. Monarch, that's what it was, that they were being sold. And so we no longer were going to be able to meet there. We thought we'd be able to stay until this building was done. And then most of you know this story, Revive Church graciously opened up their doors for us and said, you can come and meet in our building. And they were so gracious to us. We were supposed to be there four months. We were there eight months. Eight months. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a really a difficult but a really sweet time. Um, and then I love this. Sarah Hedman had um, challenged the church during that time to give back their, with their stimulus checks. And $7,000 came in from people giving their stimulus checks. Um, and then Revive gifted us back $17,000 of rent money that we had already paid them. They just said, we're not going to keep any of this. This is all for you. So, Holly, I want you to talk about the deficit and just that miracle. Yeah, so the whole construction process, we all knew that there was this deficit of about $75,000 between our saved cash, the loan money, and what the building would cost. Now, this was because of huge plumbing changes that we didn't know about that we had to do. The whole facade having, when we ripped off, yeah, that brick right there, they had to completely redo the structure on the inside of that. That was about a fifty to $60,000 renovation that we did not know we had to do. So our cost was a lot higher than we thought it would be at the beginning. So there was this deficit of $75,000 the whole time that when we got to the end, we basically said, we don't know how we will pay the, the gap that there is left. Um, we got to about two months before we were gonna finish the building. And we had a couple that's in our church say, if it comes to it, we will cover this gap. So we're trusting God that we won't have to, but here's the money in case we have to. Um, so we got to the end of construction. Isaac Bennett and I are standing in the back of that corner, the, the back of this room, looking around. The day before we, the day July before 10th. we opened, July yep, 10th. yep. And we are both, our jaws are just on the ground because that couple did not have to cover one cent. And we don't know how. We literally don't, I mean, you can, you can look at the books. Like there's not like, oh, so-and-so gave $40,000. Like obviously that's why we could cover it. Um, no, it was just faithful. Well, there was extra money yeah, in so the bank. We, yeah, we had operational funds still so we could just keep on, you know, working and doing our thing and not having to, God Knock literally just put money in there. Yeah. And there's no other, there's no other way around it. No. Yeah. We, have a, we hire a bookkeeper, so it's not like we're just crazy. Like, <laughs> truly, God just provided the funding. Yeah. And I love, Holly, that he didn't just provide what we needed because we had said, like, we will move in without all of the wants. We'll just get in and occupy so we have our own space and so we don't have to set up and tear down every week. But he provided for all of our wants, too, not just our needs, but all of our wants. And he just blew our minds yep. with how faithful he was to us. So that is how it started. And this is how it's going. Wow. Let's give him some praise. So you can see only God. It's only been a faithful God. I want to close today by just um, sharing an excerpt from a message I gave almost four years ago in the series called The Others. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, we walk by what? Faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. 
We were not made, God did not make us to stand still. We were not made to go backwards. We were made to step forwards. We were made to keep on walking. And our church is built on that concept of Acts 2.14. We are stepping forward together. We will not be still because our God is moving. Amen? And it's so important to remember that we don't walk by what we see in the physical. We walk by faith. This church wouldn't have happened if people weren't walking by faith. We walk by the assurance of things that we hope for. We walk by the evidence of things not seen. That's exactly what Abraham did, the father of our faith. Remember the Lord said to Abram, he said, leave your native country, leave where you are now, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Go where, Abraham? What, what land are you going to? I have no idea. I'm just going to go to the land that God is going to show me. Go to the land that I will show you. See, he didn't know his destination, did he? He's just taking one step of faith at a time. You're starting a church? What's it called? Where are you going to meet? Who's the pastor? Who's going to fund it? I don't know. But God told us to go. We're just going to a land that he's going to show us one step at a time. The destination isn't important, but the journey is one step at a time. See, maybe someone's told you that in your life. You're doing what? How are you going to pay for it? Who's going to do this and going to do that? How will you do such and such? I don't know, but God told me to go, didn't he? We're just going to a land that God's going to show us one step at a time. You're crazy. Yeah, we are, just like Abraham. I don't know all the answers. You don't know all the answers, but you don't need to know all the answers. You just need to listen to the answer, and his name is Jesus, and take one step of faith after another. I don't know the final destination, but God told us to go. We're going to a land that he's going to show us. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. All the families on earth blessed because this guy took a step of faith after another. That's you and that's me. You are blessed because of the steps of faith of Abraham. That's a promise. Hebrews 11 says this about Abraham. It was by what? Faith. Yep. That Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's faith. He went to a land that he didn't know where he was going. And when all hope was gone, he still hoped. He had hope against hope against hope. He didn't know his destination. See, God doesn't want us to focus on the destination. He wants us to focus on him, the one who has called us. God wants us to focus on hope against hope against hope. The destination is never the goal. The goal is following after Jesus, following hard after Jesus. The goal is taking steps after Jesus because he's moving, he's walking, he's on your shoreline today, and he's saying, hey, follow me. Follow me. The only question is, are you going to keep stepping after him? And when all hope is gone, just like Abraham, hope some more. Endless steps of hope are the ingredients of faith. See, we're we're never going to have a destination mindset in this church. We're going to have a step-by-step mindset of stepping forward together. We're we're not going to have all the answers, but we know the one who is the answer. 
we're stepping forward together after his voice because we know what we've heard. We know what we've seen. We know what we've experienced. You, you heard all the testimonies today. We're never going to stop giving testimonies and praise to God, starting with Marvin's testimony this morning. He's still doing it. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means what he's done in the past, he's going to do again. Amen? We've seen the faithfulness of God. We serve a faithful God and a faithful people. So as we close this morning, I just want to celebrate his faithfulness. If you, uh, if you were ever healed in this church, I want you to stand up. Come on. Look around. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you're not standing now, you will be standing. Because God is the healer. He's healed you. He is healing you. He's going to heal you. Amen. If you, uh, if you found Jesus in this church, I want you to stand up. No, keep standing. Carson. No, you got to keep standing. Sorry. If you found Jesus in this church, stand up. Yes. If you were baptized, come on. If you were baptized in this church, stand up. If you got married in this church, stand up. If you have kids that this is the church they've only ever known, stand up. If you heard a word from the Lord in this church and it's impacted your life, stand up. If your life has shifted because of this church, stand up. If you've become really good friends with somebody at this church, Stand up. Look around. This is the tribe that Jesus built. This is a family. He does things in families. Fathers and mothers. Sons and daughters. Together, stepping forward together. Why don't you grab somebody's hand? Why don't everybody stand up and grab somebody's hand next to you? We're just going to close this out in prayer. God, we're overwhelmed with your goodness, with your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, that your name is faithful and true. You are the faithful and true one. And we commit once again to following hard after you, to stepping forward together. Thank you for the vision that you've given us. Thank you for sons and daughters becoming fathers and mothers so they can teach the next generation of sons and daughters to be fathers and mothers. Jesus, thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you gave us to sanctify us to make us holy and clean. It's because of the cleansing word of God. You've made us a spotless bride, Jesus, with no wrinkles, no blemishes, but holy and faultless in your eyes. A glorious church. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way and that you're continuing to make a way when we feel like we're at that Red Sea moment 
when all hope is lost, we just look to you. Because the sea's not a problem for you. The mountains aren't a problem for you. Pharaoh's army certainly isn't a problem for you. So God, we just declare more Red Sea moments that you will make ways where we don't see this anyway. Because it's only in that that we can turn fully to you. We turn again fully to you. Hope against hope, step after step. We step forward after you, Jesus. We're not gonna stop. You're the faithful one and we're called to be the faithful people so we don't stop stepping. Move in our hearts, God. Move in our midst, move in our city, move in your church. Blow things off of us. This winnowing season we're in, let us not take it for granted. Let us, the Holy Spirit, do its work. Remove the chaff from our hearts. Remove the chaff from your people all across the world to create this spotless bride, this church that you are coming back for so all of our hearts can just cry, come Lord Jesus, come. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, Jesus. They're leading the way by example, churches that refuse to leave, churches that are meeting underground, churches that know their days are numbered, but they will not quit. And here we are in North America trying to figure out if we're too tired to come to church on a Sunday morning. Oh God, wreck us. Turn us back to you. Turn your bride throughout the entire world back to yourself so that you can present us as a pure, spotless bride with no wrinkles, no blemishes to our Father. Just say that with me, our Father. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Father. Our hearts are filled with gratitude and praise. And all God's people in the tribe of 214 said, amen.